This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rolls that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, they used to pull a kaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? 2020. Yeah. On this show, we discuss <laughs> entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Little disclaimer, Lisa Bulakaja is out today. <clears throat> but, you know, like I said, I got my man Chris Derrick in the house, the pimp dog I'm himself. Well, man. I'm doing well. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to survive in our um, in our current just craziness. But yeah. well, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? <laughs> trying to survive that Rona. You know? I know. I know. <laughs> Brothers always got to abbreviate some shit, don't they? <laughs> they do. Can't ever say anything that's like the real word. You got to go, you know, I got to corrupt it on some level. On exactly. some level. So yeah, we are today living in this Rona world. You know, we actually, this is our first episode Chris and I are doing together, <clears throat> kind of testing this new Zencaster way of uh, recording. And we are, um, actually, we can't even see each other. It's weird. <laughs> you know, know, we're sitting in the same room, you know, eating some junk food and shit. So it's weird. Well, I'm still eating junk food regardless oh, because, you know, <laughs> it's just it's just what it exactly. is. For sure, for sure. So, um, what's been going down, Chris? How you been doing? How you hanging on? Um, you know, it's just I'm trying to keep my sanity mm-hmm. on some level because I just don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, like the more I think about it, I don't know if our industry is gonna come back until next year. Um, yeah, it feels like it. That's for damn sure. Th- like, like, like that's just my thoughts on it, and I think that's really tough. Um, mm-hmm. And there's like, there's hardly anything else to do. Like, just, I mean, you know, I'm sure there are people who are selling stuff, but, um, 
you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to focus on, I'm just going to focus on writing like one feature, mm-hmm. something new. Uh, I mean, it's obviously my, the one thing I was telling you about before, that's nearly done. So something new for that. And then the rest yeah. I'm going to finish on, I'm, I'm going to work on some comic books because I can get, I can probably get those produced without like having to leave the house, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, like you know, but it's just, uh, I mean, it's, I guess the tough thing is, is like, even now I'm doing, doing all I can to keep a routine, you know, mm-hmm. I'm actually finding out, I'm finding that I can work out at the house and just keep that routine. It's like more of a way to like, there's no busy work to keep me from doing that, you know? You know, so and, that's, doing- and that's a trip for me. Cause you know me, I'm at the gym every day. Right. So to not be going, I haven't been in the gym, I think almost in a month now, at least three weeks. And so it's been weird for me. But yet I was telling my husband, Scott, yesterday <clears throat> that it's been weird for me because I have to be more creative here in my office. And, you know, I got my weight set. I got, I could I do my abs. I could do my pushups. But it's been forcing me to be more creative. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so I actually strangely feel bigger than I've been in a long time, like more oh. muscular. It's yeah, weird well, that, because because I'm concentrating, you know, on the way I'm squatting or the way I'm doing my abs. Or the, I don't know. I, usually at the gym, I'm like in there for 30 minutes and I just walk the fuck out. <laughs> I'm like, right. well, I got to get to the office. And for some reason, right. even though I'm just doing like 10 minute intervals in between my, you know, 45 minute work um, when I work, <clears throat> for some reason, I just feel like I'm getting more. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Well, you know, I mean, it's 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 like you know, like I've been using those like uh, those 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 weight bands and stuff like that, which I had, but I always kind of found it just like like it like in my, uh, I, I, there there always something else that would say, hey, you got to do this, 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 and then I would like yeah. I, I just couldn't get it done, and so the last two weeks, I've just been able to like you know what, first thing in the morning, this is what I'm gonna do. So I got, mm-hmm. I got nothing else that's really pressuring me. Um, you know, so I, so I'm looking forward to just to, to being able to do that, you know, and then mm-hmm. hopefully, cause it was always an issue the last two years or so, just like, just prioritizing it or just, I mean, like I'd go for like two days and then skip 10 and shit like right. that, which is just fucked up, which it doesn't help you. So, you know, so this has been helpful, you know, like on that level. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. So we'll see, we'll, we'll see how it pans out since they're talking now since we're going to be here till June. So we got another six well, weeks, at least eight weeks. I was thinking about, <clears throat> you know, I mean, it, it, it's definitely an interesting time in Hollywood, but also about how, you know, it's, it's even if they said June 1st, everybody can go back to work. Who's really going to just go back to work? You know what I mean? Who's really going to be okay being in a room with 40 other people? Like immediately. Well, they're not. I, I think what will. I, that's why I think. That's that's why I think that that nothing in Hollywood will really happen until next year, because yeah. they're not. Because so much of it is production, which is you know, a hundred people all in a, like crammed up in a small area, and mm-hmm. they're not. And 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 no one's. And personally, I don't think there'll be insurance. Uh, you know, the, the insurance would be too high for people to get sick or someone could die or something like that if they come to just come together. And so they're going to have to wait until they have like this testing and, and things that determine like if you're safe or if there's mm-hmm. some sort of treatment. Because I, because I, because it's like the, there's, there's been no cure or slash vaccine for previous coronaviruses. There's just treatments. And I think mm-hmm. that's just what we have to look at. I mean, it's, it's, it might be too, 
um, optimistic to think that there will be a vaccine. But, you know, that they'll have a treatment. Like I was saying before one time, it's like with AIDS, you know, HIV, like, like they have those treatments you can take now. You know, they have those for a while. People can live with it now. Yeah, yeah, you can live with it. So I think it's it's probably going to be like that, like more than anything, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, they'll have to just, I mean, I mean, I heard in Italy, they started doing this thing this week in a couple of towns because there was a few towns that got hit where, you know, the population is so homogeneous. There's, there's not many people who've been moving in and out of there. You know, it's not an immigrant town. These smaller towns that they're doing testing, which is which is good for testing because they can just figure right. out, not like experimenting, but like, oh, well, let's see what's, what's in their blood, see how everyone's going out. And they can, it's easier for them to figure out how things work. And they're like giving people like these, like if you pass the test or the right, the right, like they can see if you have these, um, um, antibodies in your system. Well, then if you have them, they let you go to work, you know? Right. So I know that's going to be here though, but, uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's, um, <clears throat> it's an interesting time we're in for sure, man. It's, it's, it's crazy, man. I don't, I know everybody's like getting, you know, scared to death and, you know, I can't, I'm sure you have a lot of friends too. <clears throat> and we have a lot of friends together that, you know, lost their jobs and, you know, can't get anything else going, you know, cause a lot of those jobs cause for you to be next to people to work, to have a job, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's a huge problem. You know, like, um, my assistant Richard, you know, was a bartender at night, so he can't even do that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, what I mean? so that's, yeah. that's, that's a trip. You know, you think that's the one job you could have in Hollywood where you always have some cash in your pocket, which is a great example of something you probably should do when you move to LA, you know, <clears throat> working at yeah. a job that you always got, you know, you know, I call it burger money, <clears throat> you know what I mean? But right. at the same time, it's one of those first things in a big epidemic like this, you know, whether Rona come along, <laughs> you know what I mean? One you of the first stay, you, yeah, yeah, you had to stay in your house. Now you can't go to yeah. the, I mean, the bars. Are the first thing shut down. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually, I actually just hit, I just, I, right before we got on, I, I just hit, uh, I just sent Richard an email to see what's up with him. See, uh, hopefully he's doing well. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's um, and he, you know, he he stresses very hard, so he's I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> it's like every five or six days he'll he'll text me like, "Hey, I know you haven't heard from me. Just been, you know, you know, kind of going through it and this and this, and I'm, you know, try to bring him out of it, you know, but you know." Like, you know, what was stressing me for the last two weeks or three weeks was um, uh, my landlord mm-hmm. was was talking about, well, we can still evict people who don't pay on time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, 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 you can't do any of that shit. And I had to, and so, and I was just saying, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because there's, you know, there's no jobs for nobody. So you better do something and give some sort of like decree or something. And then finally, like right before the first, someone sent me an article and said, oh, well, here's the actual language you can send that, send that, that chump from the mayor that (laughs) prevents you, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, oh, because I said to him, he said, well, I need you to sign this document that basically mm. lets us determine when you start mm. owing us money again. And I was mm. like, I'm not paying, I'm not signing that. And now that I don't have to because of this damn thing from the mayor t- like telling me to, t- to tell you guys to fuck off, I'm going to tell yeah. you all to fuck off right now, um, <laughs> which, which, which which might not have been the best thing. But 
I mean, I said, dude, I'll be late for, I'll be late with my rent for, and like, I'll be four days late. Are you going to trip? And he was talking about he was going to trip, you know? So what are you going to do? <laughs> but I'm, I'm straight now. I was like, nigga, here's all, oh, here's, here's all your money. <laughs> and, you know, but it, I mean, I was late, but he can't, you know, I kept telling him, I said, I sent him an email. I said, hey, man, um, it's actually a death sentence if you're going to send me out in the street right now. And he never got back to me about that. He was like, well, what do you want us to do? And I was like, you're a real bitch. That's all I got to say. So, yeah. But, uh, I mean, so I get Richard's struggle because I was struggling at myself. But now that I feel, you know, that I have some, that I can quote the law to this guy and I'm straight. But, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of times in these little downturns and all these kind of things like that, you know, like I always could find myself um, trying to watch like a bunch of movies or TV. Like, I remember in the 2008 recession, like I used to watch a lot of TV for like mm-hmm. the first few months where I didn't, where I couldn't get shit going. Um, but I'm not, finding, I'm not finding that I'm doing that now. I'm not, mm-hmm. I've, 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 I've watched maybe seven episodes of, of anything in the last Whoa. month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like a few movies, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's just like, I can't, uh, I can't focus on it right now. I mean, I mean, you know, it's hard. I, I can't, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I watched, uh, I was watching something last night that was so good, but it was too late when I started watching it. So I, I, I don't know what finished. It's called the, uh, the invisible life. And it's, uh, set in Brazil about these two sisters and their dad is like very conservative, and the one girl kind of like sneaks out of the house and gets in trouble with her her boyfriend who's Greek, and then the dad just kind of like confines them to the house or, and separately. Though uh, that's kind of why I'm in the middle of it. I mean, early on, it's just interesting to see how people. Uh, um, I don't know. That's the thing I kind of love about watching that type of story. It's not one of these kind of like typical Hollywood type of movies where I can kind of figure out. <laughs> essentially what's going to happen before it happens. Um, So, you know, so far it's good. So far it's good. I've been really good about keeping a schedule. I mean, you know me, I'm pretty scheduled anyway. I mean, I think the only thing that's changed for me, well, there's a couple things that change. Well, number one, I usually get up and, you know, walk, walk my dogs and feed them and feed myself and then, you know, go get my car and then I head to the gym. Right. So that step is out. So I'm getting to my office earlier, you know what I mean? <clears throat> Which is good. And then, you know, there's nobody here. I mean, nobody, you know, wow. so it's, it's eerie, but yet I enjoy it. Cause you know I me, mean? I can turn my little reggae music up and I could just do what I'm doing. <laughs> so right, you know, I right. can work out, I can leave my door wide up and ain't nobody walking by, <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. it's, it's cool. <clears throat> I kind of, I kind of enjoy it temporarily, you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm pretty good about making my sandwich and bringing my shit here every day anyway. <clears throat> so that doesn't doesn't bother me to, you know, not be able to walk down the street and get something to eat. You know, I mean, there's a couple of places open, but, you know. Well, see, that's yeah. one thing that I've that, that I've been doing. I've been doing well is that, you know, I, I like to I actually like to cook at home. Um, but I usually would, would not have a lot of time to really do anything fancy. You know, but I've I've been I've been I mean, you know, for the first two or three weeks there was there was no food to get there was no like fancy food to get at the grocery store. 
you know, yeah. a few weeks ago, whatever, they figured out how, how to stock it up somewhat decent and there was more mm-hmm. stuff. So, because um, I just got this cast iron skillet the other day. I can just, mm-hmm. I'm, messing, I'm messing around with that. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make like ramen at the house, like some restaurant <laughs> quality ramen. You know, yeah, I just, I'm like, I'm like, why not? Because I got, yeah, you know, what else? It's time to do it. Because sure. it's like, uh, you know, I was, what's your boy's name? Uh, uh, Kirk Moore was like mm-hmm. the other day on Twitter. He's like, there's nothing to do but work, work. And I was like, nah, nah, nah. Now, if you want, you can learn a skill. You can learn a <laughs> language or learn some how to cook better. You know, because yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, because because we've been to Kirk's house and Kirk has mm-hmm. um, he be cooking too, don't he? He he, he he cooks good, but he cooks a very, um, for lack like of a better southern, term, yeah, uh, yeah, like you know, like a, like a typical black Southern diet. Mm-hmm. And which, which, from what we can tell in Chicago, is not actually good for no black people. So, um, so you know, trying to have like the ramen and like the cast iron stuff, and right. just trying to make it real healthy in a sense. Um, it's also that I I had experimented with slightly before, and I had a chance, and now I can just I can I can kind of go in more deeper. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I can spend like two hours making a meal. Which I could never do before because I was like, I gotta work right now. Shit. So, yeah. Totally yeah, understand. It's, totally understand. Yeah, it's wild. So, it's wild. so let's jump into um, <clears throat> the show. You know, for the for the listeners out there, I know it's been a minute since you heard my voice, but I know you guys have heard Chris the last two or three weeks in here holding it down for us, giving us some good bottle episodes. You know, and I like them, Chris, because I think it gives it gives the listeners a chance to hear you and get to learn who you are too. You know what right. I mean? Right. So it's just, it's just a, a nice change, you know, and, and um, I know um, at least we've had a couple of listeners, you know, suggest that we all at some point, you know, do those bottle episodes. Um, so I know we, we got to get Linnell doing one to be cool and maybe to get Jeffrey, you know, to do one. And Paul, of course, from wherever he is, right. you know, and Lisa, of course, you know what I mean? I think, I think they'd be interested to spread them out a little bit, you know, just in between here and there, you know? Yeah. I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah, but I had talked to Eric um, today <clears throat> about some some the mic situation. So hopefully we'll get something going. I'm hoping we'll have something by next week so we can get it to your boy. You know what I mean? Because that that'll be big. We might have to just wing it as it is. But you know, it's going to have to be what it is. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so let's jump in. You guys are grown. Let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah. So we got some questions from. Uh, I don't know his, his first name now, but his last name is Okoje. He's a listener. He follows us on. Uh, he supports the show. He go, you know, I guess he was smart enough to go to the website and support via Patreon, which yes. most people aren't, which most people aren't smart enough to do. Uh, but anyway, um, I didn't say it. <laughs> but anyway, he has some interesting questions. He said, you know, he had three questions he wanted to ask. He's like one. How do you think a page should look, especially the first 10 pages? Mm-hmm. So what's, and there's, that's the first question. So, you know, and this kind of will feed into a, a comment I was having with, uh, with, with, you know, great fan of the show, um, uh, uh, Willie Davis. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and it's something that, you know, that, you know, that like you and I talk about, like, like a lot of your, in terms of like, mm-hmm. How do you make that page look pretty? Because right. a lot of it is um, 
you know, there's the look you have, you know, when people just pick it up for the first time mm-hmm. and they are going to be slight and they're going to be turned on or turned off just by the aesthetic of the first page before they even read it. You know, yep. it's, because it's, it's got to have, like we also talking about a, a great amount of white space. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of that has to do with, um, I had this big discussion with my friend uh, Steve Agatorian about this, which I, which I won't get into because it was it was so fascinating, but it was, it was super complicated. But I feel like, but the, but the gist that he and I got down to was, particularly with movies, it's like you want to be reading down the page. You don't want to be reading across. So no. therefore, it's your job to figure out how to move you across, like how to move you, the reader, down the page. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's one of these things that, that, that I noticed. And this is something that, like, some people do, some people don't do this. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this because it's how it is. Um, you know, with the current programs, like Final Draft, everything like that, Fade In and Highland, it asks you, do you want to have one space or two spaces before each action line? I mean, not action line, before for each, like, location line, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, and a, a, a lot of people tend to do one. Uh, mm. Particularly in television, but if you go back and look at features from like you know like a history of features, the last you know say from the from the early '80s up until maybe around 2000, 2005 or something like that, it was always two. Right. And I tend to keep it at two because it just it makes the page look it just adds more whiteness to the page. But right. it also means that you have to be more efficient with what you write. Because you're actually giving up, probably you're, you're giving. If, if you if you toggle back and forth between like one space and two space when your script's done, you might pick up a half a page at the at oh, the end yeah. of it. You know, so <laughs> so you know, so it's all about like that. Is that level of like, you know, what? So that's the big thing. It's one of those things that, that you got to worry about in terms of like, you know, um, a lot of times with books and stuff like that. There's these things called. Um, called orphans and sentences, which is basically when there's like one or two words that are hanging on the bottom of a paragraph. Right. Oh, I hate that. It's like, yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. terrible because your eye's going across and it's got to mm-hmm. come back for, for like for one word. So it's yeah. kind of like, how can you like rewrite a sentence so it keeps the same meaning and the same power, but probably with like one less word, you know, uh, or I think- with characters. Yeah, I think you. Just, I think that you're hitting it on on the nail. Is that it, it? I always say that scripts should look very staccato, you know, very lean in the sense that, like, you don't need all the us and the thes in there. You know what I mean? You could just start on a sentence in some places. You know, you know, you don't always have to say you know, um, um, little shit like you know. The, the woman does blah, blah, blah. You could just say woman, blah, 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 blah. Sometimes, you know what I mean? And people get what it is in the style that you're writing it. You know, sometimes yeah. taking like those little things like that actually give you more room, you know, and it keeps it more clean on the page. Um, one of the things I was thinking about was <clears throat> whenever I talk about it looking pretty on the page is not only is it about the white on the page, it's also about how, and for the people who don't know out there, when we're talking about the white on the page, we're talking about like how much black, you know, description or dialogue you have on the page um, and how lean it looks. Your eyes should be moving down the page. So the less 
paragraphs you have bundled up together, the easier it is for your eyes to go down as opposed to left to right. 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 So, so one of the things that I always do is when I'm looking at my, my opening page, as I'm looking at it from just like when you're writing your script is, um, and I can't remember, Chris, are you the one who said, um, usually when you write a script, you, you, you start sometime that last, that you, your, your ending, your ending scene. Sometimes you write that. I can't remember if it was you, forgive me. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes right. too. And so where I'm going with that is I always, I always start at the beginning for me because I'm about momentum, right? So once I write that first page, it shows me the tone of exactly the style that I want to do. Because what I'm trying to do is in that first page, just like if you would say if this was a comedy show, you want to have a button at the end, right? It doesn't have to end the scene, you know, per se, but even if you, even if there's like strong dialogue going on between two characters, for example, it ends on a joke. It ends on a, on a, I'll fucking kill you. It ends on, you know, something. If it, if the dialogue ends it, it ends on something with a button. If the action ends, it ends in, it ends on a button too, whether it's drama, horror, you know, something scary, something tense, whatever it is, I'll end that first page so that you have to turn it. You know what I mean? Right. No, it's no. That is, like yeah, that's exactly right. You know, like on this one thing I'm working on, um, I, you know, like I brought it into my writers group and, you know, it's like something's happening. And then at the very top of the second page, mm-hmm. there's this, this home invasion starts, you know, like okay. you hear a gunshot off screen and everyone's tripping. And then the, all this kind of brr, brr, is all this cacophony is going off. Like, and it, it, the people in the one room are now tripping out. And my friend Steve is like, Hey, you know, find a way to have that first shotgun thing be at the, be the last line on that first page. So that mm. you, so that all some happening, something happened. And then the interruption of what of the normal life is you know is what you have anyway, but just bring it. Find a way to bring it up there. You know, right. and I had to go back and look at it and go, okay, so what did I not need? You know, mm-hmm. like on that first page, like description wise, you know, so I could still like because I, I I needed to like save like I think two lines. You know, and two lines is actually to a certain degree is hard to do because I think I ended it with it was in the middle of like a piece of dialogue, and okay. like it's the last thing on the. So then it's like. I don't want to cut the dialogue out because of, of the way that it's what what was being said was already short anyway. So mm-hmm. yeah, so you had to go. I so I had to go back like into the meat of the scene and go. Where are those those words that that aren't necessary? You know, or like those things like we were saying earlier. Like a lot of times, and you know, you can get rid of the word and, but just using like a comma. You know, right. Um, right. but so the, there's just and that's and that and and there is the whole. There's a whole rationale behind that in terms of like like you said like you because the thing is is that there's always so much information that the brain can really just like can grasp onto and mm-hmm. and and the the more words you put in the script overall is going to um it's it's just going to fill your the, the reader's brain up more and more and more with unnecessary sure. stuff you know it's, it's like a trick that you know it's basically like um 
uh, I mean, there's things that people do that are tricks. Like people, you like a lot of times people don't use the uh, the the location line, the slug line. Mm-hmm. Like they don't get creative like with that. And sometimes right. you have to do that because it, it, if you explain that the right way, then that mm-hmm. tells you how like how a location might look. You know, well, there's there's, and I'm glad you said that because <clears throat> I mean, in a perfect example of that. And this is just me spitballing something is instead of, you know, exterior John's house, you know, you could say like exterior or interior, whatever you want to call it, you know, the most fucked up house on the street. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, little, yeah it's, exactly. about tone. it's about tone. You know what I mean? And how you want it to pop. And to me, those are the things that keep me interested in the script. And I know I've said this on the, on the podcast many times. I actually, and I love dialogue, and I think I'm a really good writer of dialogue, but I'm more interested in the action descriptions than I am about the dialogue. I, I'm fascinated right. when I read fucking amazing prose in a script. You know right. what I mean? Well, well I yeah, like, because holy, yeah. Well, cause, cause to a certain degree, there's only so much you can do with dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's one of those things where it has to sound realistic. You know, and it has, and it has to, and not to sound realistic like the character would say it, but also, has to, but it also has to sound something that you know an actor could say. That's mm-hmm. you know, that's one, that's, that's one of the things too that like I think you, but what's his name, Eric Heiserer, he wrote this mm-hmm. little book on screenwriting that you uh, that, that that I read on Amazon Prime is like, a free thing you could get, and, if, mm-hmm. and he was kind of like, you know, there's certain times when you write dialogue that that you need to know how difficult it might be for an actor to say that line, right. you know, it might sound cool, but then how do you like, uh, know how to say it? He was mentioning there's a certain kind of syllables that if, 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 if the, the closing syllable of a certain word might be difficult for the mouth to do the next, the, the opening syllable for, for the next, for, for the next word. I thought it was fascinating, but I bring that up because, you know, that's just like the limitation of dialogue, but, but the, the action stuff and the in the in the the slug line, you can do a whole lot of shit that you know you can speak in a way that that you, like you said like that's the most fucked up shit I've ever seen and that's not mm-hmm. the way that that, that that a character might talk you know right. and right. um yeah, yeah, and that's where I think a lot of people slip and they don't realize that you, you know and and the thing is you don't have to use big words or anything it, you, it's like you said it's like what's the tone that you're trying to convey mm-hmm. and and do that i remember i th- I, I can't remember who it was somebody's script i was reading one time i think it was when i was reading the man on fire script a long time ago <laughs> i noticed that um you know the I, this is like sometimes i get this not ain't but like so deep dive into work is i see that s- some guys don't write more than like four lines for uh, a paragraph of description or for dialogue. And then, you know, you know, um, and I'm just like, that seems a little arbitrary, but then again, it's like, it's not if you, um, if you're trying to, if, if you're trying to, to break up the thing, because there was a really great article I read one time on that Scott Myers uh, blog. What's it called? Like go into story. This is maybe like 10, I don't know, maybe, probably 10 years ago. There was an article on um, how the guys who wrote the Star Trek reboot, the Kurtzman and Orsi. And he kind of broke down where he was like, you know, the thing that that you do is, is that 
every line mm-hmm. is another shot in terms of writing action. Like he was saying, oh, in this action scene, like there's that scene where the where the guys are like when they first get teleported to that that floating platform and they're falling down. And he's like, this is the scene we're gonna look at. And if you if you look at it, like like every piece of action is its own line, and it's and he was like, and this helps it, and this like you fly down the page, you know, because it's like he's pummeling, you know, he's, and that's what, and, the, and you know, like he's pummeling toward the platform, you know, that's one line, then next line is, you know, you know, he pulls, the, he pulls his, uh, uh, what he, he pulls like a little saber out, you know, he pulls the drawstring on his, he pulls the drawstring on his parachute, that's, you know, oh, is that, he pulls the drawstring is one line, the next line is, you know, and the parachute like fails to deploy, and it's like, mm-hmm. it's another line, and it's like, boom, 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 and it just, it adds to this, like you said, this staccato punch to it, and it just helps with like the rhythm of the the page, and I think that that's more of something that that screenwriters do over television writers, because um, I see it more in screenplays. I see people do a lot more. Uh, well, but 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 I was just gonna say that I feel like like Lindelof and J.J. Abrams do use a little bit of that too. You know, it's very powerful on the page the way that they. You know, use their prose. I mean, they're they're like so descriptive. You know. Oh yeah. Oh well. Well, well you're right. I mean, that's that. I mean, that's where. I mean, and this kind of goes back to what I was t- t- talking to, to to Willie about. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, where are you on your draft? Because there's a lot of stuff that, like, you know, that you write and you do it, and then, you know, you get to draft seven or eight, and it's like, okay, so now. I'm just doing a pass to like to work on the description to get it really like explosive on the page and powerful, you know, because I was reading this guy's script the other day and I just was like, you didn't care about the language that you used. I could just <laughs> tell, you know, I could, I could tell you probably sent like the third draft to me, the second or the third draft, because mm-hmm. it's not, uh, I mean, like I'm sitting there reading and I'm like, Oh, this sentence is like structured wrong. You know, like the, like the the importance of the importance of the sentence is in the middle of the sentence, and mm. it's like no, importance of the sentence has to, should be the first thing you read, or needs to be the last thing that you read, because you know, depending on on how you want that sentence to work, and mm. I, and that's just like like people not they're not realizing how much work you've got to do to keep like refining and refining and refining, and they think it's okay to ask people. You know, to, like they go, hey, Chris, can you read the script? And I'm, and then, like right now, I'm telling everybody, what draft are you on? Right. I'm asking that question because if it's not like like over six, I don't think I want to read it. <laughs> it just <laughs> I mean, it sounds harsh as shit, but it's like because I know you haven't done the work to get it to to, to get it um, to get it strong. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've like I've mentioned before how. Like way back when I first started, like you know, talk with Billy Ray and getting advice from him and stuff like that. We were talking about Captain Phillips, and and he had done twelve drafts of that. I mean, now this guy gets the money. He gets obviously, you know, the big paychecks. You know, whatever two, three million dollars kind of thing. But that's because he's writing twelve drafts. But mm-hmm. the, but but that's not the main thing about why he's writing twelve drafts. Mm-hmm. I was this and this is what I realized about it is that he had. I remember he told me that. Tom Hanks was was the minute that project got announced. Tom Hanks was like angling for it, like he was like, you know, I want to do this. 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that he is going to do it. It's that he's like, if that script is good enough right. for me to not do the other dozens of choices that are that are coming at me, then I'm going to do it. Because that's mm-hmm. the thing that you that I think people don't, that people don't realize is, you know, Tom Hanks has probably got like what thirty projects that people are asking him to do. Oh, come on. He's I got, mean, he's a perfect example of you hear about people who have a stack of scripts. Yeah, he got a stack. Matter of fact, several stacks. You remember, yeah. you remember, remember the movies in the seventies about Hollywood, and they would show like a producer's office, and and he and on the floor would be stacks almost as tall as you. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, <laughs> that's tall. But, but that's, yeah. So yeah. So so but it's, and he's got so he's got these that many scripts, and what you're trying to do is to is to make him say, "Do mine." Mm-hmm. You know, so that's so that's the bar you're trying to hit. Why you got to do your twelve drafts? Why it's got to look good? And and Tom Hanks, you know, was someone who's gonna look at the first page because he writes himself. You yeah. know, he wrote directed, he wrote that movie, that thing you do when he wrote episodes of mm-hmm. Band of Brothers in the Pacific. He's gonna look at the script and go, "Eh, it doesn't look good in that first page. It doesn't look good yeah. in the first two or three pages. I, I, I'm not gonna read it. I don't care how much money you're offering me." And I don't care if I have to work right now. I don't care who the director is, you know, because I got ten other got ten other projects that are they're on the same level that are ready to go. So oh, that's let me, what, let me ask you a quick question: Was he saying the guy who asked the question was he saying um, what should be in the first ten pages or how it should look in the? I forgot. He said how how it should look. I mean, the answer of what of what it should be. I don't think we should answer that because if you have to, if you have to ask that question, I, then then you know there's too many books on that. Too many. Yeah, too many sure. other I, I just want to make sure that we answered. I was like, wait a minute, we we're just talking about how it looks. But yeah. we get through how it, okay, got it. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's what he said. He said, you know, looking at it again now, how does it look? Because you know, I mean, that's the thing too. Like. Well, what to, I'll just talk a little bit about this because I just was reading something and I was like, I cannot believe this is what's happening. I just mm-hmm. cannot believe this is what's happening. Um, I'm reading this biopic for somebody, and you know, the first the first eight pages, at least eight pages, mm-hmm. maybe ten, are spent on this little girl. It's about a woman, and you meet her when she's a. And you talk about when she's a, a young girl, mm-hmm. and it's all kind of like the her like one day that is not a, that's not a damn important day yet because all the events that are happening are mm. unimportant events. I can tell they're unimportant events because oh, they, they started like, they started too early. They started way too early, and they spent like twelve pages on some event that has and the, and the main character is not even interesting in those twelve pages. Like yes, it's a little girl, mm-hmm. but it's like that's not the that's not even the character that pops on those pages. And it's just kind of like if this is a movie. It's 110 pages, 120 pages, and you spend 10% of it mm-hmm. on material that is that is uncompelling. Right. You really screwed up. You really screwed up because it's like, <laughs> who is gonna? I mean, what's this about? Because it, because it, because it, I mean, the first thing I was talking about talking with William, but I said, you know what? It tells me this writer hasn't read and or watched. All the films that are have been out recently that are these biopics, like mm. the like the biopics that come out that I've seen of late, 
you know, I saw the one about J- Judy Garland like last year. Mm-hmm. I remember watching the one about Jackie, like Jackie Onassis, like a couple of years ago with, mm-hmm. with 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 your girl uh, Natalie Portman. And it's like, and those things took these singular moments in their lives and said, "Let's explore this." I don't need to see them as a kid. I don't need to see, you know, what the Jackie O thing is like. Well, what it's like you see, you flash for you meet it a little a little late, in maybe sixty eight or something like that. And then it flashes back to to right after Jack has been killed, and it kind of follows that her story after Jack has been killed because that's probably the most seminal moment in her life, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's why, and that's what that story kind of unfolds about. And the Judy Garland thing too; it's kind of like her last concerts that she ever gave, uh, you know. And it flashes back a little bit to how when she was a kid, and but it, it's this later. It's not, it's, and it's very, and what you see in those flashbacks are so important. Like there's a scene when she's like trying to film Wizard of Oz and um, I don't think it's Wizard of Oz, I think it's before Wizard of Oz. And she, and she doesn't want to go on and like, and what's his name? Um, uh, Louis B. Mayer was just like, he, he gives this speech about like, you know, well, you're not that pretty, Judy. <laughs> and you know, and you short and you don't have big tits and blah, blah, blah. And you got buck teeth and blah, blah, blah. You know, and there's all these kids and well, I, I can go to the bus stop and get all these girls who look better than you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and cause she, cause she, she doesn't want to sing, but, but, the, but, and whole little scene and she's getting ready to cry, but he stops and says, but no one has your voice. Right. No one has your voice. So get out there and show them what you can do that no one else can do. And it's just weird kind of like backhand, backhanded compliment in a sense, but it's well, it, but that, it puts you in your place and makes you go back to the field and pick that cotton. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's funny because it's happening. It's happening. It's happening in like some barn, like a, it's on a set, but it's like some barn set. And I'm like, yeah, she, he put you up. He put you out to work again in the field. Um, it's interesting, but, 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 she, but it's like, it's just, it's just that one little speech. And then it's back to her present moment and what she's dealing with then, because that's, you know, she's leading up to those concerts that are going like to end her, end her career and end her life. And it's, and it's like, that's the way you, because that speech had a lot to, obviously had a lot to do with how she is still trying to sing. She's got nothing left in life, but to sing. And that's all she's had. And it's, and so tr- trying to understand what you want to do in those first 10 pages is all about that kind of stuff, you know? Um, totally agree. Yeah. <clears throat> what else we got? Uh, his other question was: let's See, what are our thoughts on the writers' programs, the contests? Like you know, like all four are about to start soon in the next month or so. Um, in terms of the deadlines of getting them in. Well, if they're, I don't know. Minute, so are they about to start or are the deadlines about to, to end? The deadlines are coming up is what it okay. is. I mean, yeah. I think I think the, the programs, I mean, I talk a little bit about this on this thing I just did with Mark a lot. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, there's, there's really, really good stuff to it. And then there's po- probably a little bit of negative stuff to it in the sense of, here's my thought. One, for instance, you and I, Chris, we've known each other for a long time. Um, how you how you got in is not how I got in. We, right. we are all going to get in differently, right? 
<clears throat> so if there is the reason why these these programs are in such demand, you know, just like some of the festivals are in such demand, you know, Austin Sundance, you know, et cetera, et cetera, can, <clears throat> you know, why they're in such demand is because they're the fastest way to, if you get in them, to be seen. Yeah. So everybody yeah. wants the easy way out, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like I've, I've told the story before <clears throat> about like people ask me, man, if you were just starting to write now, what would you do differently? And I was like, well, we didn't have the blacklist when I came out in 2000, <laughs> you know, 2000, right. 2001. You know what I mean? There was no blacklist. Now you could write a feature film, submit it on the blacklist, get two, you know, coverages get a nine or eight or whatever. And all of a sudden Hollywood's calling you and you're on the blacklist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In a month, yeah. you, all of a sudden people know you, you could be signed to a manager or an agent. You know what I mean? <clears throat> so things are a little bit different. So in that culture that we're in, everybody and their mother has a story that they think should be told. So your competition has tripled, if not quadrupled and all those other things. You know what I mean? There's so many more. You and I have been in the guild for a long time. How many years have we watched our, even the black committee, you know, when you guys first, first were, were, were running, it was just a few people in there. Mm -hmm. 60, 70, yeah. 80 people in there right now. Every time we have a meeting. It's huge. It's huge. Well, I mean, it turns I mean, look like these are my thoughts on the contest. I mean, they're 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 highly competitive in a way that um, that 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 maybe getting jobs in the industry isn't, um, mm. you know, to a certain degree because I mean, and all that's changed because of the packaging and everything like that. But you know, like there's people that we know who got in. You know, like what's your name got in. You know, like Bianca Sam's got in, and right. and and um and and. Uh, Leonard Chang got into both of them. Remember, he was telling us that he was he's doing both. Right, he right, right. Resident yeah, Bird. Dude. Oh, he yeah. did both of them at once, right? Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, That's I mean, you know, but but with Leonard, like that was ten years ago. I mean, like because because now because there's it's so hard to do anything in the in the in the feature film business. There's all those writers who 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 perhaps like like would have written a script and tried to get it into Nichols, tried to get it into Austin. Who are now like doing that for? Who are doing it through these these um uh these 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 programs? The thing of the programs is is that you know the Warner Brothers one is probably the most difficult one to get into because I think it takes anybody. It's just like so. There's no like you know like the obviously that there's a diversity ones at like ABC and NBC and CBS, but mm -hmm. but. I, but at Warner Brothers, it's like, well, if you just get a writer, whoever, you, whoever, you whoever they like gets in there, right? Yeah. So I mean, it's it's I mean, it's theoretically possible. I don't think it would happen, but it's theoretically possible with Warner Brothers, it it could all be you know white men who are like like win one year. You know, mm -hmm. they probably wouldn't do that. They would just you would go, no, we can't. That's the optics optics look bad, but that could happen. Well, and so, because the competition is that is is there's more people trying to get in. Whereas if you go to the other ones, like the you know you know you have to be like a, a woman of you have to have some diversity status to fit into the other ones. You, right. you know, I'm not saying that there's a 
you know, that there's that the quality is any less. It's just that, you know, the comp- the, the number, of, number of applicants like, like would be less. But mm-hmm. I kind of feel, but the thing is, it's like, there's certain things about that stuff that really trip me out. I remember like the last time that I submitted a one, it was like three years ago. I said, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore because I didn't get in. And then someone told me that like Shonda Rhimes' assistant, like, so, you know, he, he, he was, was, one of the people, was one of the people who got in. Well, and I said to myself, and, and, and so well, I, I was like, does she need this? Does Shonda Rhimes' assistant, does she need this? Damn. You know? Well, <clears throat> but you have to think about it like this. So you're Shonda Rhimes' assistant. You've been her assistant, let's say, for two years. Let's just say. Right. right. You have not gotten a script. You hardly ever get to go in the writer's room because you're by her side and she's hardly in there. She doesn't have time. You right. know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just throwing a scenario. I'm not saying this is what happened at all. So audience, don't don't at me about this. Um, I'm just putting this out. So you're going, shit, I need to get myself on a show. I need to get into a program. I need to do something right. else. Right? right? Because not every showrunner has the time to mentor you into you writing a script or you into the writer's room, you know, especially if you're, you're somebody's personal assistant, you know, like the writers, um, like the, the EP assistant, <clears throat> you're, you're still doing a lot of grunt work, you know, or listening to phones and, you know, um, um, you know, doing all that stuff like that and taking notes and, you know, you're in a room sometimes, but not as much as you want to. So the other thing that I was thinking, this is something I mentioned on this thing we did today is, and you know this from dealing with um, um, all of them over there at Disney. And um, why am I going blank on her name over at Disney? D- uh, DMA, DMA. DMA, forgive me. Um, DMA is that they, yes, the script has to be good, but it sounds like what's almost just as important is that letter you wrote about yourself, where you talk about, you know, how difficult it was for you growing up with cerebral palsy. You know what I mean? For example, you know, they want to hear those stories. Oh, well, no, exactly. I mean, I'm not, I mean, look, that's the point I'm saying is that it's like, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors to it. So it's a good script. You know, the thing with the Shonda Rhimes thing is I'm not just saying our thing, but I'm saying it's like, but part of, but some of the programs, so now they request you to have a letter of recommendation from somebody in the industry. And and my point about Shonda Rhimes is, is that if I'm at ABC, and I'm trying to get into that program, and this is and this is when Shonda still had still had her deal there, and I'm getting Shonda to write my recommendation, which 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 might which may have happened, but it but, but it could have happened. Mm-hmm. That makes the then I'm saying that the I'm just saying that the bar is so high. This is even above the script because you can get people like that to, to who are kind of going to bat for you in a sense, and and, and that's why it's really tricky. And difficult, you know, and and then and then you're right. Then it's like, then what's your story? Is your story, is your personal story, um, um, gonna help you? Because that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is is that, you know, uh, people always want to like people like things don't always happen because of the quality of the material. The, you know, and it's like, oh, in terms of like, in terms, in terms of like, if you have two things that are going, and one might be an A plus, and one might be an A minus, mm-hmm. but the story behind the A minus is just, oh fuck, the A minus project is going. 
you know, right. because it gives them all this other kind of stuff to talk about as opposed to well, it's just a great script. It's oh, this is a great script, and this person did this, and they came from this, and it's just you know because if you go, because think about how the machine works. Like the mm-hmm. machine, you know, like it needs to interview people. It needs to, it needs to push you in front of these round tables. It needs you to push you in front of all the other industry people, you know, and 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 you better have something interesting to say that to make to make them go, well, shit, that's a fucking great story. I want to fucking hear more about you, you know, you know. It's like that's the stuff that that uh, you know that's above and beyond just writing a script. I mean, I think a lot of people get hung up on the fact that it's like, can, can you write a great script? And it's like, it's got to be really good. It's got to be really, really, really good. But it doesn't have to be, um, uh, you know, the script might not, have, it, it, like, it, it might not be A+. Because it's just, it's just like with trying to get into like Harvard or something like that. There's other factors that are beyond your grades, you know, that, that can get you in. Or you, you know, or, or or tip the scales in your favor. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying you you can roll into Harvard with a bunch of C's and D's, you know. But someone who's got you know like like a bunch of A's and one B, but has this backstory that's insane and wrote this essay that's like you know that could be published in the fucking New Yorker. That person is probably getting in, you know, with somebody who's got straight A's and you know. And 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 the other the other thing that you know, writers need to realize who are trying to submit to these programs is you are not only going up against everybody, but now you're going up against writers who have done two or three, sometimes two or three, you know, staffing jobs on different shows who have way more experience than you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're you're also up against them because what you see when you finally see the top eight or 10, whatever the program is, you know, seven of them were staffed on a show before. Yeah. You know what I mean? They pick in that one person who had that interesting story who they bring in from Idaho. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> but the rest of them, for the most part, you know, are already working in, you know, in the industry, like you said, people's assistants and all that other stuff. And quite frankly, I think they're political too. You know, if I had the opportunity as a company to take in Shonda's assistant over somebody else, and I know that Shonda's staffing on her show. I'm trying to get in bed with her, so to speak. Well, you yeah, there's I mean? that. There's it that. Could be political. I'm not saying it is, but it could be. No, no, it could be. But it's, it's also the fact that if, that if you have, if you if you've had an industry job, if you worked as assistant, uh, you know, writer assistant, or wherever it is, they also might be more inclined to take you because because they're kind of like you know the culture of mm-hmm. TV. Because you've right. been around it to a certain degree, where someone coming in from wherever might not, you know, and so much of it is about like who's gonna fuck up the fuck up the chemistry of the room, you know, mm-hmm. who can we put on a show and and the and the and then the showrunner is gonna feel comfortable that we gave them someone who is really gonna be an asset, you know. But also, you know, now I don't know how it is in the last two years because I haven't talked to anyone who's been on it or I haven't heard anyone really talk about it. But you know there was that whole stigma about if you if you got into those programs, um, and then that it was really hard to get a job afterwards because that you know they'd make you staff write for two or three you know years in a row because the show wasn't paying for you, and 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 then the minute they had to pay for you, they weren't giving you the job anymore. And then that makes it look like that you didn't know how to do the job enough to earn 
a spot on the show. So right. then when you try to get a job elsewhere, they're like, that was the, you know what? So that was the diversity hire. They can't be that good because if they were really good, well, then they would have stayed on the show as opposed to they didn't want to pay. So it's not a question about how good I was. So there's there's all those things that can be a double-edged sword for them because there's a, there's, a there's a lot of people I know who – who who got in did this you know the 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 show as a friend of ours that we both know who I know who who did the ABC thing uh got an ABC show he somehow was dope enough to get two scripts as a staff writer yeah I've heard of that before yeah. you know and then didn't get asked back because they were like we got to pay for you now I was like that's some bullshit. You know, so there's, 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 there's a lot of advantage. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that you know, because the, the difference between going to the program and doing something where you become an assistant or you do something else to find. I mean, I don't even know how. Like, like honestly, I don't know how else that you do it. Um, you know, because besides being an assistant, you know, because like for instance, like for me, like my route was. Because I, because I got into the guild like writing features, mm-hmm. um, and then when I was in the guild, and you know a few years ago when I was starting into television, it was like I already knew a bunch of people, or I could just had I had access to top people because you know because mm-hmm. anyone who's top who's active in the guild is a generous person, and if right. you behave right, then you can get them to read something of yours, and if they like it. Then you know they're open to recommending you. I mean, I was just having a conversation with with a board member last week, trying to get this strategy idea about some stuff because I was concerned about you know how do we go about asking for jobs and stuff like that and doing it now and people that I know who have shows and how to do it now. And he was like, "Well, you know, you asked me in a very very respectful and nice way, and you gave me an out and everything like that. And I told you I read your script." I couldn't read it that week because he said he, he was like I, kind of apologizing like well I couldn't read it that week you know but I got to the next week and I was like yeah, okay yeah okay I mean I'm not complaining about that but but you know, but he said he felt bad because I kind of needed it quickly you know because I needed it for a recommendation for something and I was asking him to read me so then he could then recommend me and mm-hmm. and then and then now later on he was like oh yeah I'll do that for you whenever now because I read you eventually it was like two weeks later and he mm-hmm. still recommended me and um and he was like oh yeah and your material is good and I feel comfortable doing that but that's right. but that's different for me than it is for someone else who doesn't who who hasn't worked because the thing about for me is like when, when I come to write a television pilot to try to get on a staff. It's not like I've not sold stuff before. It's not like I haven't worked with development people before, studio people before to know what that process is and to know what it means to take notes and what, and, and how to like digest that and not be so precious with the stuff, you know, and, and know how to ask questions to them the right way for when they, you know, so there's a good healthy back and forth between notes. Uh, Cause there's so much of that that you got to be able to do that. Sure. If you haven't done, if you haven't done any of it, then, you know, I'm not sure. It's just it because, yeah. I'm not saying I know everything because I don't. But it, but it, that just was it was just, it it that's something that I'm able to tell people. If like hey, if you want to hire me, you know, just because I haven't worked on a television show doesn't mean that I don't know X, Y, and Z. I've worked with Oscar-winning producers to develop stuff or guys who've, who've done like billion-dollar type of For project. Sure. You know, like so. Um, 
And, you know, and that's not like a boasting. And it's like, yeah, but you know, if someone is, is able to consistently generate enough box office to do several billion dollars of business, they know how to develop a project. And then when they're talking to you about it, they'll tell you things that might seem like, well, why are you doing that? Or why am I doing that? And if you just ask them, what's the, what's the rationale behind it, as opposed to, you know, because there's a way you can ask someone to, to explain something that might seem um, defensive and a way to say, I need more clarifications so I can understand where you're coming from to, 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 sure. so I can implement it the right way. And, totally. um, you know, and that all comes from experience. Because when you first do it, you fuck up and you get defensive about making a change. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, but again, it's like, you know, it, I was, who was I telling us the other day? And I mentioned this to you on the podcast before about like the competition and how hard scripts got to be and, 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 and just everything about it. I mean, I was telling someone again, it's like, you know, um, uh, Barry Jenkins, this, this script, the moonlight script that he, that eventually was that the green light. Mm-hmm. He used that to, he used that to become a staff writer, the lowest level like writer on his show. Yeah. That always creeps me out when I hear about that too. I'm like, you did what? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, like, yeah, I mean, like number one, he got the showrunner to read a, a pilot I mean, a feature, not a pilot, but you know, but but they can tell if you can write early, and that's such oh, a well-written script. You go, oh yeah, five pages in, it's got no idea how to fucking write. Um, and but it's like, I mean, you know, like later on, he fucking wins an Oscar off that same script that he got, got, got on a TV show with. It's like that is what you're fighting, and and I think you made a good point here about like it's an easy way to get in if you can make the hurdle, and honestly, it is because you know. The competition, the, like the other way, is really is is well, stiff too. But well, I guess what I was thinking was, <clears throat> like, you know, I mean, like 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 you, for example. I mean, you have tons of experience. There's really no reason in heaven's gate that you should be a staff writer. But you and I both come from the indie world. You yeah. know what I mean making our own projects and producing things and getting things done. So our knowledge of things, like you said, is far advanced than most, most, most co-EPs <laughs> to be 100% with you because I've seen them and I talked to them. I'm yeah. like, oh, they don't know shit. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so, um, 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 but to get in, you have to be willing to do things. The other thing that I was thinking about is the reason why, um, somebody like you or I would be willing to take a lower position is because we know what we have to offer. So we also know that we would be really, really helpful in a room and would stand out in a room. So the next season, the bump might definitely come for you or or you, it, you'll be in a better position to develop projects for other people down the line. So you use it for different reasons. You know what I mean? Oh, oh, for I mean, for sure. I mean, like right now, I don't feel bad about taking like a staff writer position. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm sending something off to someone tonight, and I'm mm-hmm. just kind of like, look, you know, here's how I can help your room. That's a that's and I, and I'm not talking about the writing because I'm kind of like, you know what? I got two guys who who know you or EP level who are gonna who are recommending me to the showrunner what they don't know about and and they can tell in three pages if i can write 
it's like, you know, what are the other things that I can tell them, you know? And it's like, you know, I, I was telling Bianca one time, I was like, well, you know, because I've, uh, because I have probably more, like, I know that I have more set days in charge of the set from directing stuff that if I am asked to go produce my episode, I feel totally confident doing that. I feel, I mean, I know all the language. I know, you know, of, of what to talk to people about, to what the, to, to what the director's saying. I can tell the director, I can talk to him in his language in a way like that we're behind or blah, 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 you know, and I've, I've talked with everybody, you know, so I'm not afraid of how to do that. I know how to do that. I'm not going to step on their shoes because I know that's not, that's just fucked up. But, but the thing is, is that like the, the, the staff writer who goes to the first time who has never been on set does not know about how the whole protocol of the set works, who to talk to, what to talk to, you know, you know, like, like what's important, what's not important to get, you know, to see all that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's what I can give you as right. opposed to like me coming in there and saying, well, cause I've come from any world, you know, it's like, like I'm some sort of maverick. I'm not a maverick because I'm a maverick with the stuff I do for me. Like, right. like for my films where, where I'm the person in charge of what's going on, but I'm very aware and able to, you know, to, to focus all my stuff for what someone else wants to do. You know, um, I mean, I'm developing something right now with, with someone who's got a, uh, like overall, and it's like, it's a great time because I know that it is, that the, the, the work is predicated because of what he's done. So I'm never trying to like, you know, like step on his shoes or force my ideas. And, and he's yeah. always like, but he's asking me, he's like, Hey, well, show me some, show me some of the shows that you want to do too. You know, um, and you know, if anything comes up, like we're going to talk about something, you know, I'm very deferential to understand, you know, the, like the, uh, the, the, that I'm grateful for this opportunity. And therefore I'm not setting myself up to be like, you know, some, some wild, some wild dude. You know, so, um, but that's all stuff that I know because I've been on a set and I've seen people like fuck up and I've seen people like not understand the hierarchy of what's going on and, and how that is a problem. And people are going to like, you know what, you're never coming back if you don't, don't understand the hierarchy. That doesn't mean that I'm like not assertive and I'm, and I'm not, you know, everything like that. Cause you have to be that way, you know, um, but but you're a team player, though, and that 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 yeah. doesn't mean being soft or anything. It just means you're a team player, so you're hard when you need to be hard, and you're soft when you need to be soft. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're just in the middle, you know, just right. good enough, or not good enough, but just just in 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 the right temperament, you know, for a set and for for the room and <clears throat> for all that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah, because that thing I was telling somebody the other day, I, I was like, look, I was like, you know what? I could go and produce the sets, the episodes of other writers who don't who don't want to go or haven't gone that you know if you don't feel comfortable with, let me mm-hmm. do that. I, I I I I love going to set, so I mean it's just, it's it's not for everybody. No, you know, no. Um, I mean, especially if you don't have a lot to do, it could be a very boring place. You know what I mean? But but right. but if you take it in, you know, in a different way, and you you take in the 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 what are people doing and you you try to grow from them and 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 learn what the departments are you know that's what i did coming up and just try to learn every department <clears throat> so yeah. even if i don't know how, what they're doing i could at least have a conversation with them i could talk to them right. about what it is they do you know i understand that you know 
when when you're on a set and you need this one thing, you go to that department. <laughs> you know what I mean? I did my my homework so that I could have that conversation. So that when I'm in meetings, I I know how to answer that question. You know what I mean? And it, right. it makes you look like you're one of the smart people in the room, you know, and you just keep your eyes open. And you just try to be aware of what are the fires and because there will be some, you know, some people will say there's no fires when I'm, you know, working on a project. I'm like, it's impossible. <laughs> it yeah. just is. You and I know yeah. some of the biggest people in this town and none of them have had a smooth, smooth show, shoot. None of them. Yeah. Don't lie to me about no fires, because if you say that to me. I know you're lying. I know you're lying for no reason. It's it just doesn't even make any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not not the way that things move. You know, there's too many different problems, and we depend on these machines that we use to shoot, and they don't always work perfectly. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even the best ones, they, this things go wrong. Somebody doesn't know how to quite use it correctly, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And you know, and then you got the weather. The weather changes on you. How do you adjust to that? You know, yeah, there's that or, you know, the actor or the actor just can't bring it that day. Yeah. Like, you know, like like I remember I was hearing I just was I just you know, for, for you know, like I always looked at it sometimes it was like, oh, you know, that's 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 a mistake on me because I didn't cast right. I used to think this for a long time. Like you get actors who at some point in the shoot, like they can't do it. You should go, what, what, what is it? like, is that a mistake that that I made casting this person? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was heard like James Mangold talking about that the other, when he was doing Ford Ferrari, he, he was like, yeah, he's like, it's like, you have to know how to pivot when an actor who is great is just not able to do it that day mm-hmm. for whatever reason. It's, you know, like they're not machines. There's something like anything else in life could be fucking with them. And the, the scene that they, you wrote could, could have been cool when they read it and they, and then something happened and they're like, I don't like this scene right now. And they're going to do their best because they're professional, but they may not give you the, you know, and you got to, and it's just, there's all those things you have to know how to do. And you have to be aware, and you have to know those things can happen. See, because that's when you're early on, when you, when you first go to the set, you might think it's, it, it goes smoothly because you don't, because you've never seen the chaos. Once you've been on set a few times and shit is going crazy and you got to go, how do we keep it going? That's when, you know, there's, there's a lot of those sea lakes to that, that you have to, um, you know, that you just learn from and, and you go, okay, problems, how do we solve them? How do we keep everybody cool? You know, um, yeah, there's just a lot to it. You know, this uh, beyond the writing, you know, because mm-hmm. from what I hear from every showrunner, it's like, you know, they don't want to go to set all the time. They can't. They got to do all this other shit. So, so, so they need people that they can, they can, um, trust to be like you know it's, it's kind of like it's, it's like like here's my right hand man that keeps rotating out you know so yeah it's crazy yeah what else okay, we got? okay this other yes other guy well this is the this is a crazy question it's um he says uh pick a movie that you like and that listeners can watch and then you can do a script breakdown of it in the following episode. Mm. Now that's kind of a lot to ask because a that means I gotta watch a movie, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know if I can do right now. Um, and b uh, it's like, do I have time to watch something that I've already seen that 
oh, so can I find the script for this? I mean, there's just a lot you're, you're asking. But, but, I'm not saying I won't do it. I'm not saying I won't do it. What I'm saying is, is that, um, so what? So I was telling him you know, offline, we're thinking about this, I was like, well, maybe I'll do Knives Out. Um, because I have, uh, I want to see that movie again. I think I have the script. No, no, okay, you know what? I'm going to fuck everyone. I'm going to do 1917, because I have that script, and I've wanted to read that script, and I've seen that movie, and I really like that movie. And so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to read that this week. Hopefully I will be able to watch it again. Well, maybe I don't need to watch it again. I just need to read it. And then we'll just talk about it, um, like, you know, like next week. And if, and if viewers are interested in 1917, um, they can send questions. Um, or is that like a bad movie because it's a gimmick? That's why I almost don't want to do Knives Out because it's a gimmick. I think but Knives Out is like the whodunit movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean those those are hard to write, and they're hard to do, especially today. Remember, they were so huge in like the seventies and shit. You know, everybody was trying to do those movies, and they're really difficult to do. So there could be. I mean, I'm I'm interested in hearing either one. You know, 1917 was fucking so amazing. You know, um, to me and both of us, I'm sure. So it's it's I'd be interested in that or the other one to be 100 percent with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I need to check the shelf. I'm, I'm trying to think. Did they send us knives out to read? I, I want to. I want to say I, I, I might have it in. I, I want to say I, I have it, but I might have it in um, in a link form somewhere. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a lot to do. Fuck it, you know. All right, we'll do knives out. We'll do knives out. So I'll so I'll read it this weekend. Um, which, oh, which is interesting because I the reason why I brought that up is because you know I was uh, uh, I was I was updating um, Highland to the, the other day, and mm-hmm. I went on the little Slack group that talks about the requests and John John August kind of replies to people about little problems, and this guy was mentioning how. The, he did that. The Ryan Johnson did something in in like the dual dialogue in Knives Out, where he, he, where he did something where the you know the second column, the dialogue the other person was saying because he's he's interrupting someone's speech, you know. So he did so as opposed to half a speech that interrupts someone's speech and then that the first part talking again. So it's it's a longer on the page because you do the interruption. He did dual dialogue and, and he brought the interruption like like down four lines. Mm. So that when you're reading it, it's blank, 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 then four lines in, he says his line and it's in this interruption and the other person responds to it. It's it was an interesting way to f- format it on the page. And I was like, mm. that's actually kind of cool. How did he do that? And then they kind of explained how they did it, and I was like, oh, that's it made me curious to know if there's other kind of like like weird formatting tricks um in that script again that goes back to what we were saying about you know how things have to look on the page it's like people who are really who are really into it like he is obviously you know like they've written a lot and they figured out ways to do to do tricks in the program 
to help the to help the read like feel more seamless. Because that's one thing that, that we didn't talk about when we talk about the script pages is it has to feel seamless. Right. You know, it has to feel like a movie. You know, in a movie, you know, when someone talks over someone, um, you know, sometimes it's not it doesn't it's not a cut. You're just hearing that, you know, or it's a two shot and you're talking over, you know, and how do you kind of like like achieve that kind of uh, that that you know that con- that that continuous action on the page. Mm-hmm. Right. It's interesting. Totally, totally good. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure what movie I'd want to do right now. I've been watching a lot of TV, so I'm not up on everything. And even all the Oscar films, I think I watched most of them, but I can't think of which one I'd want to go back to and be like, "Ooh, let me dissect this one." Now there's some good ones, you know, for sure. Um, let me let me think about it. Maybe I'll figure something out. But. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah I, I mean, like, I couldn't. Um, I mean, I just, you know, I it's it's hard, you know, like my thing is, is that like, I just don't necessarily have the time right now to read a lot of stuff, um, and it's only something special that I want to read because, like, you know, like like I wanted to read. The like someone told me that the Honey Boy was really good and it was an amazing script. Yeah, I have that one too. I haven't watched that one yet, and I haven't watched the movie, but I read the first like ten pages the other day, mm-hmm. um, and it's really good. It's just it's written well. Yeah, he um, wrote that one, right? Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah. He shot Yeah, he wrote it. I mean, it's it's got that feeling of like you know a constant that it's a very it's very frenetic in the beginning. What's happening? And it feels that way on the page. It's still very clear, mm-hmm. but but you you can sense that it was that this this was supposed to be shot with a lot of energy. And I'm curious once I get through it to see if it actually if if it did pay off that they did mm-hmm. shoot that opening. At least what I read so far with, with the type of energy that I think that it you know that it's uh, uh, that's there on the page. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, because I mean, the movies that I keep thinking about doing, like Dolomite or something, you know what I mean? Is like, I mean, everybody's done it a million times now. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's the thing. I mean, like, you know, like obviously there could be some older movie that I want to review and I haven't reviewed, and then, um, you know, I should look at the script. Or I want to. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I mean, again, the other day, well, not the other day, but sometime this year, I can't remember when it was. Before the virus, mm-hmm. um, I had I, I I wanted to read um, the Man on Fire script again. Uh, okay. I was thinking of doing something in that space, and I hadn't read it in like I don't know ten years. But it's interesting to see how he writes that. Oh, mm-hmm. but that reminds me of something that I wanted to talk about about like reading pilots mm-hmm. and reading screenplays. Is that it's important for people to try to get the earliest draft of those projects. Because the thing about the pilots that you usually find is yep. that's the draft that the network has has, had, exactly. has, has, has weighed in on. I remember when I went to go see that, that seminar that, uh, that uh, the DMA taught, she was yeah. having us 
uh, go through the blackish pilot as part of the just to reference like how they do their their technique over at ABC. That's a good, that's a good pilot. Mm-hmm. It's a great pilot. But the thing is, is that she was, you know, there's just there's a very specific thing that they want you to write at ABC, and that might mm-hmm. be that also could be like if if you're writing a pilot for the for the program, you have to kind of know that that style. Right. Um, for to, to probably get past their readers to get into the program, so you write mm-hmm. something that was like some serialized thing that you know they might not want to, they might not be into that. Um, but she wouldn't give us the draft, you know, to to review because they're like, no, that's not that's the teaching tool, and mm-hmm. um, you know, because other people coming in. And so, like, I went online and was like, well, you know what? Before I forget what she, some of the stuff that she told me, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pull the script down online and I'm going to look at it. And the script online was different. The script online, it was it was maybe like some of the beats she had. They were like, she was like, you got to have this happen here. And this happens here on this page. And we're going to do this and get out of the first act by here. That didn't happen on the script online. It was longer. It was there were scenes that were in the script that was online that weren't in the that weren't in the aired pilot and weren't in the pilot that she had us read. And I was like, oh, this is the draft that he probably first submitted. And then the network people and, and the studio people came in and gave him more notes. And you know, it's been honed down and honed down. So it's it's very tricky. When you're, you know, to, to look at pilots that have been, that are circulating in terms of like, what's the bar on that? Because that yeah. might not be the script that that got sold, that gave that got the green light. That might be yeah. the script that they decided now to, you know, that we're shooting, as opposed to, hey, let's do this. Um, yeah, I don't hmm. know. But I think it's different with movies because there's, you know, if you, you go and you find a movie. Um, I, it's uh, from my experience is they're a little different. The movies are close. If you get them and you get a, a late draft, they're closer to what was filmed and stuff like that. And you can, yeah, and it's, you can, it, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it's a definitely, it's just sometimes hard to do, <clears throat> you know, they make them, especially today, they make scripts so more accessible to get, but they make, they, you can get the, you know, the latest freaking production version. Like you said, there used to be, like I used to go on, I think it's called simplyscripts.com and you can get them for free and they would have several versions. There used to be, you know, or you can get different different versions of scripts. <clears throat> and you like, I, I agree with you. I like to see like, well, where were they in 2014 compared to 2017 when the script finally got production? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. right. So there's, sometimes a big difference, you know, sometimes they're longer, you know, they start in a different place, you know, characters are dropped, you know, characters are combined, you know, there's all kind of different things that happen, <clears throat> you know what I mean? With, with those. So it's, um, it's, a, it's definitely a, a, a good exercise um, for sure. Um, interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Cause I, as I remember, you know, I, I follow, um, Brian Coppelson on on is that Coppelson or Coppelman? Coppelman. Coppelman. He created, created a billions and yep. you know he really hates the movie that came out of his script called Runner Runner, and mm. 
and then maybe two, three weeks ago, he posted online. He was like, well, here's the draft that, that me and my partner wrote that we loved, which we think is great. Here's the draft that that the director that's got the director's changes, which we think fucked the movie up. And he's listed them both up there. And I was like, I'm gonna, and, he, and he's like, I'm just keep, I'll post these for a little bit, then I'm taking them down. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm getting these right now because, because you know, because I wanted to see what, you know, because he he is a real, uh, he still is upset about that movie. I think that that movie kind of like put his film career in a tailspin, and he was only able to, you know, and then he spent all his time writing Final, and then he got fired from Final before it even mm-hmm. like went anywhere. And then he was like, what do I do? Like, he and his partner were like, they thought their careers were over. And then they wrote Billions. But mm-hmm. so that movie is, is, is got a lot, is, you know, I guess there's a lot of pain for him to mm-hmm. a certain degree. So it's interesting to see the script, to see what he really, really fell in love with that him and his partner sold. And then what, you know, the, the dumpster fire, as he would call it, that they, they were forced to do, you know, to get the movie actually shot. Yeah, because, in, in, you know, I watched the probably the first two, two, two and a half seasons of Billion, <clears throat> I think it's one of the smartest fucking shows out there. I mean, I, I don't know anything about, you know, you know, being a, a broker and all this stuff. That shit is fucking investing and, you know what I mean, banking and all. I don't know nothing about that shit, but I swear to God, they would be talking about the shit. I'd be sitting there going, I don't know what they're talking about, but it's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it was that yeah. good. <laughs> you know good. I mean? The show was good. The show was yeah. really good. So, yeah, um, I, I find myself watching it going, how come I'm not that smart? These dudes are so smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? Crazy. Well, they're smart. They're, look, they're smart. And they're, I'm not taking it away from them, but I do know, you know there's three guys crediting the creator of that show. There's, you know, just Brian and his writing partner and a guy named um, Andrew Ross Sorkin. And Andrew Ross Sorkin is the New York Times, you know, like chief business, you know, like Wall Street, like the financial like correspondent there, like the head editor on that. So they have a guy. Oh, like a good person to have on a show about money and, you know, the yeah. Wall Street. <laughs> you, you, you see know, why the nuance is so tight. Yeah, because because I'm sure he's a guy that he can turn, and his Rolodex is like, oh, I'm gonna call up the head of Goldman Sachs and ask him about this, right. you know, and he'll and they'll just probably and and so it, there's a level of access that those guys have that probably nobody has to. Mm-hmm. I mean, to even write on a show like that's that's even like it's it's even better than having like a doctor on a show because unless you have like one of the top surgeons like in the country, you know, you just have, you, then you just have a doctor. Or an attorney. It'd be like if you have Johnny Cochran on your on, on your staff about defense attorney show. Like he got all the dirt, you know, that makes it a lot more juicy than just anybody. So sure. that's you know, but 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 that's why that show is so good. Totally. Yeah. 100%. <clears throat> Interesting. Well, thank you, man. That was um a cool little episode we did. The first little chance we did one with um just the two of us. Just the two of us. <laughs> Look out here. On this damn uh, Casper trying to do this thing, I can't even see your face or nothing. <laughs> I know, it's wild, it's wild, it's wild. Yeah. You know, anyway, people are wondering why we're not doing Zoom or something like that, but it's because the audio is bad. Yeah, you know, and that's the other thing. You know, a little we we apologize if it doesn't sound perfect like it used to. 
um, where we're, we're, you know, it just happens when you, you know, we ain't in the same room. We can't quite dial it in the way we want it to be. But um, hopefully you guys can hear us pretty good and it sounds pretty good and all that stuff like that. <clears throat> but this will be dropping tomorrow. Um, lots of good shit going on. Looking forward to doing our thing with Anthony Sparks next week. That should be awesome. Um, oh, okay. He agreed yeah, to do that. Okay, great. Great, great, great. Yeah. With, uh, so whether we have a mic or not, we're going we're gonna to have to get that one in because I really want to hear his perspective of being, you know, a showrunner in this climate. <clears throat> you know, how in the world they're running a room from Zoom. You know what I mean? So that yeah. should be fascinating. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, cool, man. Thank cool. you, Chris. Uh, where can people find you at? Uh, Twitter and Instagram at unauthorized CBD, or you can reach. There's a contact form on the uh, website screenwritersrr.com. Awesome. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. <clears throat> Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys listen to, Archer, I'm sorry, Anchor. Um, um, fucking, I'm forgetting everything right now. Um, well, with Spotify, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Google Play, fucking everything. Um, I think we're everywhere. So if you, if you can get a podcast, you can probably find us. Anyway, um, yeah. so please go out there and find us. Find us where else, Chris? On our what? On our uh, so so you can support the show on our Patreon page, and you can get to the Patreon page by coming to the website screenwritersrr.com. It's a big badge that says "Support us, Patreon." Give us money now. Support us. However you want to do it, you know. <laughs> Definitely supportive. We know we know we're in a stressful time, but you know, even like five dollars a month, you know, that helps. You know, everything helps. So we appreciate it. Yeah. Um, shout out to Lisa, Lisa Cult Jam, and you know, all our family. You know, everybody stay safe. Stay safe out there. Um, you know, for sure. I just found out my sister in law actually has it. So she's Shit. doing she's doing fine. She just has a little sore throat. She had a little bit of a fever, but she's come down off of it now. So. Thank God so far she's she's doing good. She she was up and walking around feeling fine today. So <clears throat> I guess that's, that's good. a good sign. You know, people a lot yeah. of people aren't dying, they're just getting sick, you know. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully that's that's what's up. So anyway, you know, thoughts and shit goes out to everybody. And um, you know how we do it on the rant room on the show. We keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? Two thousand twenty. Please, y'all. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.